We are in the Mishneh Torah on page Lamed Chet 38. And we're still in the introduction of the Nevi'im who transmitted the oral law to us from Moshe Rabbeinu and Arzinai. Last week we spoke extensively about Micha, Micha the prophet. Tonight we're going to speak a little bit differently about Yoel Hanavi. Let's read again. On page Lamed Chet, Three lines down. Umicha kibel Vedino. Micha receives his oral tradition from Yishaya, Yishayahu, and his Betadin. Vyoel kibel mimicha uvedino. And the next in line is Yoel. Now, even though, and I mentioned this to you last week, if you look right now in the Tanakh, in the book of the Nevi'im, the order is different. But this is the order of the tra- oral transmission of the law. So it goes like this. Yishaya, Micha, now we're up to Yoel. Yoel is a very interesting personality, and I, uh, so interesting that we don't even know so much about him. But before I get ahead of myself, let's look a little bit about things that we do know about Yoel, and I forgot my notes at home. So Bazat Hashem, everything I'll tell you now, I remember by heart. Everything else, uh, my notes will have to remember for a different day. The first thing I can tell you about Yoel is nobody knows really who Yoel is. I mean, nobody. Kadosh Baruch knows. But there are different people who try to identify who is Yoel, when is Yoel, when did Yoel live. If you look in the first Rashi, Rashi's commentary in Yoel, Rashi is perplexed. He gives three different explanations as to who is Yoel. Yoel, let's look in the Navi. So if you have a Navi, or if you have a, a book of a Naviim, I'll be using the art scroll, and I'll tell you the page numbers in a moment. But if you use Sepharia, you also can find Yoel over there. Yoel is a very short book. It has four chapters, if I'm not mistaken, and is made up of 73 pesukim in total. That's it. The whole book of Yoel is a chapter in a different book. If you're in the art scroll, you're going to be on page 1350. 1350. If you're using Sepharia, you want to go to Tanakh, look for Yoel or Joel, and you'll find him there. Devar Adonai Asher Haya El Yoel Ben Petuel. These are the words of Akadosh Baruch Hu. More correctly, the word that came to Akadosh Baruch uh, that Akadosh Baruch Hu told Yoel, the son of Petuel. Yoel, the son of Petuel. The name of Yoel appears many, many times in the Nevi'im. It's all over the place. In fact, in the Talmud, you never find the name Yoel. So whereas Yoel may be a very common Jewish name today, in the Talmud, if I'm not mistaken, aside from when we quote the Nevi Yoel, we don't talk much, or if at all, about the name Yoel itself. But in the Nevi'im, you find many, many, many references to the name Yoel. Yoel ben Petuel, You'll notice that two things are missing here. In every other Navi that we've read so far, for the most part, almost every Navi we've read so far, the Navi's name is mentioned. So here he has something Micha didn't have. Here he has his father's name. Why did we say perhaps? We suggested, not a fact. We suggested maybe why Micha didn't have his father's name mentioned. Why? Very good. 
His, maybe his father wasn't someone so important. It wasn't a Navi, it wasn't a... Normally when you quote somebody, the son of somebody, he's a Navi, the son of a Navi, a prophet, the son of a prophet. But not here. So clue number one, we see here that Yoel is the son of somebody. Which gives you clue number one about his father. His father is someone. Ben Pituel. Now here we get into a complicated situation. That is that in the books here that we're in, in these books of Nevi'im, there's very little biographical, geographical information. Other books of Nevi'im tell you where they lived, who they spoke with, even earlier books we studied, which kings they spoke with. This book says nothing. Devar Adonai, the words of Hashem, Asher haya el Yoel ben Petuel, which came to Yoel, the son of Petuel. There is a Gemara that says, perhaps it's not a Gemara. I remember seeing it somewhere. I wrote it in my notes, the exact source. That every time you find a Navi and it doesn't tell you where they come from, you know they come from Yerushalayim. You only mention where the Navi comes from if he does not come from Yerushalayim. And this is important because you see that Yoel does speak about Yerushalayim in his books of prophecy, but unlike Micha, we said Amorashti, here it's something else. He's a Yerushalmi. He's here in Yerushalayim. Yoel, the son of Petuel, the most significant other Yoel that we have in the Nevi'im is a Yoel, the son of a very famous man. You know who? Yoel ben Shemuel. Yoel, the son of Shemuel. In fact, in fact, if I can tell you that in this edition of the Yishei HaTanach, Otzar Yishei HaTanach, it's an encyclopedia of Torah personalities, written by Rabbi Yishai Chasida. Rabbi Yishai Chasida wrote this book, later it was translated into English and then expanded upon, which is frustrating because it doesn't match the Hebrew version. But in the English introduction, they mention to you that they edited and, and corrected many things inside of the book, which always makes me worried. But one of the things they did say for sure was that sometimes they expanded in places where the author didn't expand. Over here, there's only one entry for Yoel. Yoel is one person. All the Yoel we know in the Nevi'im and the Midrashim, it's one Yoel. But in the English version of this book, there's two Yoel. Yoel ben Shemuel. And Yoel here, ben Petuel. There are Midrashim and different Talmudic teachings that may not all work out together. And we have to accept what Rashi says, that there are different understandings. Who was Yoel? It was a colleague of Elisha. Some say, in fact, that many of the Nevoot, the prophecies, especially there's a big fat locust plague we're going to discuss soon. That's a continuation of a Nevoah of Elisha. But here, we see one thing. And that is a Midrash in Bamidbar Rabbah. It quotes the following verse. Shem beno habechor Yoel v'shem mishnehu aviyah. The firstborn son of Shemuel, his name was Yoel. Who is Shemuel? We mentioned him already. Remember Shemuel? Shemuel is one of the prophets. The name of his oldest son is Yoel v'shem mishnehu aviyah. And his second son's name was Aviyah, yeah? Uh, Shmuel, is that the, 
We t- yeah, Shemuel spans places. We mentioned a few different people. Shemuel was also earlier in the, the oral lineage. Shemuel is like the big guy. There's a, so much so that the Christians split it up. Shemuel Aleph and Shemuel Bet is too much information. Incorrect. Yeah, that's correct. So the Midrash says, based on a verse in the Nevi'im, that the firstborn son of Shemuel, his name is Yoel, and the secondborn, his name is Aviyah. I don't know how it happens in Israel that the name Aviyah is a girl's name. When Aviyah is mentioned in a number of places, it's a boy's name. Now today, maybe nothing is a girl's name and a boy's name, but I'm simply mentioning it in terms... It's a mother name. Yes? It's a mother name so for someone to say, Aviyah, my father. Not for the name in the Tanakh. That's why many people use that name for girls. So they use the name, but not in the way, not in the way that the Nevi'im intended for it to be used. Okay, okay, that's good. Thank you. And the Midrash says, just like Yoel was a Rasha, an evil person, so too Aviyah was a Rasha, was also an evil person. Who are these people? These are the sons of Elisha. Raphael, you may need to move over because that table is going to be used. And at the end of their life, they did Teshuvah. And that's why in Divrahi Amim, his name is Vashni. Meaning, that they did Teshuvah. Someone point to him at the right door. That they did Teshuvah, and they merited to Ruach HaKodesh. V'zehu shekatuv, and that's why this book of the Navi Yoel starts off, Devar Adonai Shehayad Yoel ben Petuel. The word of Yoel, of Hashem to Yoel, the son of Petuel. What does it tell you here? Something interesting. It tells you that Yoel was not raised, I mean, he was raised by Shemuel, but he wasn't a tzaddik. Him and his brothers were Rashaim. They were bad people. And then they did Teshuvah. And then he became a Navi. And that's where this book of the Navi comes into play. If he's the son of Shemuel, why doesn't it say Yoel ben Shemuel? Who is Petuel, says the Midrash? Zeu Shemuel. This is Shemuel. It's another name. Lama nikra Shemo Petuel. Why was his called Petuel here? Petu El, Petu, the one who pita, the one who, I don't want to say seduced, rather persuaded HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Petu El. Shepita LaKadosh Baruch Hu B'Tfilato. That this Petu El is really just an, another name for Shemuel, who in his tefillah was able to persuade HaKadosh Baruch Hu things. And that's why he's called Petu El, and that's why this Navi the word of Hashem that appears to Yoel, the son of Petuel, because at this point in time, Yoel had now done Teshuvah and become a Navi. Now if you don't learn anything else from Yoel aside from that, that you can be a Rasha, and not just do Teshuvah, but do Teshuvah and become a prophet, then that was worth listening to this Shia. It doesn't make a difference what was in your past. What was in your past has passed. Now where are you going? 
Can you turn yourself from someone that the Midrash says the Rasha, the brother of Rasha, and then he does Teshuvah? It's amazing. There's another Midrash. And the Midrash mentions that Yoel and Aviyah are the same person. So why does the Pasuk say that the firstborn son is Yoel and the second one is Aviyah? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking that Midrash literally, but I'm telling you that perhaps what it's saying is his first name was Yoel and he had a nickname Aviyah. Could be. That's the way the Midrash reads it. If you look in Shemuel, Shemuel Aleph, what they call it. Shemuel in chapter 8, Pasuk Gimel. Pasuk 3. It says, The sons of Shemuel did not walk in his ways. They didn't walk in their ways of their father. How? They would take your ma'asir money, they would take your tzedakah money, and then they would judge you in court. Meaning... Meaning, it's not exactly a bribe. You know, they're not paying you to judge them favorably, but it's close enough to a bribe. They were taking money as tzedakah, and they were still sitting on the bed of din. And when a caravan of merchants would travel by the bed of din, they would leave the Jewish people and their problems, they would walk out of the Bedin, they would go do business with the merchants outside. These were people who were really into money. They liked money. And that's what it means that they were not like their father, Shemuel. The Gemara and Masechet Shabbat says about the children of Shemuel, that they went after Betzah, they went after money. And it's amazing when you read this and the critique that Chachamim have on these leaders, and then you look around the Jewish community and see, well, that's the standard for Jewish leadership. Some people, they asked explicitly with their mouth. They put all kinds of fees on Baalei Batim. They forced tzedakah away from people so they would take that money. They would take gifts by force from people. They would coerce them into giving them money. That was their model of leadership. This wasn't fundraising, this was highway robbery with a kippah. And Chachamim see this as being their crime. You want to call them a rasha? The only resha that they were involved in was that they were taking people's money. That was their source of their resha. Now the Gemara also, Masechet Shabbat says, Anybody who says the children of Shemuel did a chet, they're mistaken. The children of Shemuel were not rishayim. The critique is not that they were rishayim, the critique is that they did not emulate their father Shemuel. They didn't follow in his ways, but they also didn't do chataim, they didn't sin. Okay, let's say, what does it mean they didn't do like their forefathers? Shemuel used to go to the people. He was an accessible leader. He went to look for people. He went to go judge them. He went to be there for them. Ela, these, uh, rather these, yeshvu ba'arehem. The sons, they sat in their own cities. They had their own established courts. 
They had their own chazanim, their own sofrim, their own staff. They wanted to make sure their staff was well paid and taken care of. So they established the bataydin. Instead of being there to serve the people, the people were now there to serve them. And this is the critique on the children of Shemuel. I told you also what was missing here was not just the place in which he lived, which we answered within Biyushanaim. It's not just that the father's name is something Pituel, it's a one of a kind name. There's also missing which time period he lived in. Which time period is Yoel? Seda Olam, the book Seda Olam suggests that Yoel, Nahum, Chabakuk were all prophets in the days of Menashe, the evil king Menashe. But because he was not a good person, we never say, this was the prophet in the days of Menashe. You don't want to be the prophet in the days of Menashe. That's not something you want to be known by. And because of that, it omits the name of the, of the king that they were prophets by, out of their kavod perhaps, perhaps out of their respect to them. Let's say an... Right, there's a whole style of, of Jewish teaching to make every Rasha do Teshuvah at the end of his life. Paro did Teshuvah at the end of his life, and Esav did Teshuvah at the end of his life. And, uh, fine, I'm not here to say, I, when we speak about Menashe, Menashe is known to us as a Rasha. That's what I can say. Now, the Gemara mentions about him that, uh, you know, he, he, if you were in his generation, you would do worse than what he did. Fine, I didn't say. It. I'm just saying that uh, I don't get carried away with this. Yes. If someone steals from someone else, and they do teshuvah, and now you see them with the kippah and tzitzit, and now they're dancing at some rabbi's grave, whatever it is, did they do teshuvah? Not to the person and ask forgiveness. And it's not just forgiveness. You don't ask forgiveness from the guy you stole from. You have to pay him back. Meaning, you cannot do teshuvah until you fix the problem that you caused. This is something that's a crucial element of teshuvah. You have to fix the problem. Right. That's just like most of the biographical information here is, is missing in the story. By the way, if you read the, the non-Torah uh, academics here, they have all kinds of theories about uh, this personality and this book of Yoel and everything else. But... Uh, I believe that when we say that they were some way and they did teshuvah, so let's say you want to use the other Talmud, the Talmud says it wasn't that they were Rishayim. It's that they simply weren't the model of leadership that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted for them. Shemuel would not have been proud of their model of leadership. So in essence, when they changed their model of leadership, then that's when everything got better. And that's the teshuvah. It, wasn't, it doesn't seem that there was some kind of long-standing a side effect that lingered around from their, from their resha, from their evil that they did. That brings me now to just a little bit, I know what time it is, but a little bit of the background of the Navi. There are four main chapters here. In the only chapters, in the book of Yohan, like I mentioned, four chapters with 73 Pesukim. I think it would be important to examine just a few of the key sentences that are mentioned here in the book of Yuel. So if you have a Tanakh with you, an art scroll Tanakh, I'm on page 1350. If you want to follow in Sepharia, you just want to go to Tanakh and Nevi'im, find Yoel, and click in chapter 1. This is the word of Hashem to Yoel, the son of Petuel. 
he begins to mention here a terrible plague of locusts that's going to devour everything. Everything. And what's fascinating about this nevuah is not just what I mentioned to you, the connection to the nevuah of Elisha. What's fascinating here about this prophecy is who suffers? Who suffers from the plague of locusts? If you look here, Listen, you elders and all the inhabitants of the land. Has there ever been a time like this from the time of your forefathers? You'll tell your children, I think about this all the time. We lived through COVID. Whatever that's going to be, we don't know yet. But I'm certain that my children will tell their children about how they grew up in 2020 in, in crazy ways right or wrong it's different the world is different their children will tell their children and their children will tell the next generation he mentioned what happens now when the locusts come and cut all the crops in Pasuk Hey he speaks harshly Wake up, you drunkards. Wake up, all of you that have wine that has been taken away from your mouths. The, asis, the, the, the wine is taken away from your lips. And then he says a few people here should be mourning. The first people who are mourning, the farmers. Why does a farmer mourn when his crop is destroyed? Yeah, it's more than won't eat. A farmer doesn't only grow for himself. There's a whole panasas here. I once flew on a flight when I was going back and forth to Baltimore. I sat next to somebody who was a child of a farmer. A real, like a real farmer. You know, you don't normally meet farmers all the time. This farmer, he grew all kinds of crops in, in uh, the northwest. Is that what you call it? Northeast, maybe. Right? Uh, and over there... His farm was, it didn't have enough, you know, there, there are factors. You ask Baruch sometimes. The plants come out this way, the fruits come out this way, it was too cold, it was too hot. The, the cold season lasted too long, the hot season came too soon. Whatever might happen, it could ruin all your crops. And it's nice if you have a tree in your backyard, so it didn't give fruit this year. But if all of your money is invested in these crops that you planted, millions and millions of dollars, and that disappears, these people were broke. It was a terrible year for them. We pray, Hashem, give us rain, give us dew. It doesn't really affect us. So you're going to pray 20 cents more in the grocery store, 20 cents less in the grocery store, depending on how much rain there was. You don't feel it. The first people who feel their parnasah lost are all those people who live off the land. They're the ones who suffer first. Next, who suffers? Aside from the crops. So he mentions the crops also suffer. If you can imagine some kind of poetic soul that exists in these crops. The next people... If you look at Basuk Tet, he mentions the Kohanim should mourn also. Why should the Kohanim mourn? What do they lose from the... Their livelihoods. Very good. The Kohanim rely on these offerings that are brought to the Bet HaMikdash. If the farmers don't have what to bring, and they can't bring it, then the Kohanim are the next ones in line to get hit. This is a, a chain effect. He then mentions the animals that are suffering. When the plants can give produce, when the fields can give their yield, 
then animals suffer from this. They don't have what to eat. They don't have what to get. So the animals don't have, the people don't have. It's a chain effect. I didn't see this in any other mefaresh, but when I read this chapter of Yoel, I see a cause and effect where people think that they're just harming themselves and they don't realize that when I harm myself or I harm someone else, there's a domino effect in the world. When the farmers get hit, the kohanim get hit. When the kohanim get hit, the animals get hit. The animals get hit, the whole world falls apart. I was speaking to somebody recently, and he said, you know, we used to say, we're lucky because we work in those kind of jobs that didn't have to shut down for COVID. We could work from home. We work in big high-tech companies. We work in whatever it was. You know, we don't have little uh, stores or shops that were closed. He said, but that's not going to last forever. Because once society gets hit, that comes back around to bite us. Then people can't buy. Companies don't invest. People aren't selling these, these technologies. The world is focused on something else right now. Everybody gets hurt. I don't speak politics. Tomorrow is a big day in the world. Whatever you believe, keep it to yourself. I really don't care. But whatever is going to happen will affect the whole world. For the good, for the bad, for everything. Nothing in the world happens isolated in a vacuum. And Am Yisrael somehow, no matter what, is always the receiving end of it all. Whatever happens in the world, somehow we're responsible for it. To be prepared. That can also go two ways. When goodness comes to the world, when you do chesed in the world, those ripples also go around the world positively. Cast your bread in the water because one day you might need it. If you put good things into the world, that's also something. I think about that farmer, Bishimon Bar Yochai. He says, I'm working hard, planting things. Why are you planting? You're too old to live to see the fruits of this tree. So I'm not planting it for myself. I'm planting it for the next generation. People like that are who ensure that the world will continue going, will keep moving. The nivot about the locusts go on and go on and go on. There are so many beautiful psukim here. Let's look in Peregimel. But Perik uh, Bet, much of it is read by Ashkenazim on Shabbat, Agado, uh, Shabbat Shuvah. Shabbat Shuvah, our Haftarah is short, but the Ashkenazim have a second part added to the Haftarah, and it comes from the book of Yoel. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows favor to Am Yisrael, what will happen in Peregimel chapter 3? The goal of all this destruction will ultimately be good. Hashem will spill out His Spirit on all human beings. Your sons and your daughters will be Nevi'im. They will be prophets. Your elders will dream dreams. Prophetic dreams, not crazy dreams. The young men among you will see visions, real visions. Even on the lowest class of society, I will spill, spill out my ruach, my spirit, and everybody will begin to see HaKadosh Baruch There'll be wonders on heaven and earth. Dam, Vaesh, 
V'timrot Ashan, which holiday are you reminded of right now? Pesach, very good, Pesach. Hashemesh Yapech Lechoshech, the sun will be turned to darkness. Hayarech Ledam, the moon to blood. Remember, it's a Navi, it's a vision here, it's not a literal. Lifnei bo yom Adonai HaGadol V'anorah, before that day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come. There will come a time, if you struggle seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there will come a time that you and your children, your sons, your daughters, everyone in the world will be given a special ruach of Hashem, a special connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a prophetic connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are the children of prophets. How many times do Chachamim say, Hanach lehem Yisrael? Leave the Jewish people alone. If they are not prophets, they are the children of prophets. There's a beautiful introduction to the book of the Piyasetz in the Rebbe called Chovat HaTalmidim. I think they even translated this book into English a few times over now. Chovat HaTalmidim is a book written by this Hasidic Rebbe before and during the Holocaust to his students in his yeshiva. And he tells them, you have to strive for greatness. What is greatness? Not to be a Tamil Chacham. Not to be a tzaddik. You want to strive to be a navi. You want to be a prophet. That's your goal. Don't be lazy. You can reach this. Just because somebody hasn't, it's because they haven't tried hard enough. But the potential of a nevuah, you are also a Yoel ben Petuel. Your father, if not your father, then your grandfather, was also a navi. And if not biologically, then your father, who's Avraham Avinu, was definitely a Navi. Don't settle for mediocrity. Strive for greatness. Who will be saved in when craziness hits the world? Whoever calls out in the name of Hashem, that's who will be spared. Because on Har Tzion, in Yerushalayim, that's where the remnant of Am Yisrael will remain. That's who will be protected. Those who call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Strive for Nevu'ah now. You have nothing to worry about. You're in the camp of people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of. Like I told you, there are so many Pesukim here. Again, you see themes of beating swords into plowshares, like we mentioned by Micha. But I think if I walk away from the book of Yoel with one message, a few messages, I'm never going to leave you one message. The book of Yoel tells me that no matter how you started your life, hakol olech achar chatima. Our rabbis tell us everything goes by the way you seal your life. So what do I do with my life now? What do I do with it? That's what matters. How far can you go? As far as you're willing to go. Yoel is a Navi now. He went from being a corrupt judge to being a Navi. At least according to that understanding of this book. What about your children? Don't worry about your children. Your children? They might be Naviim. They might be prophets themselves. You do what you need to do. You be from the Sridim, from those, those survivors that still care about HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a world that doesn't. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will spill over his Allah onto you, onto your families, onto your children, until the end of time, B'zat Hashem. And to realize that Yoel, Yoel is another great link 
in the chain of oral transmission that connects us from Moshe Rabbeinu and Har Sinai until the giving, uh, the, the sealing of the Talmud, which is what the Rambam is ultimately working towards. Bezat Hashem, tomorrow we'll discuss the next Navi in the lineage of this Talmud.